Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 182. So, Albert, if today we're focused on 18, does that make us a mini podcast or even bigger now? Hey, Julius. Hello, Albert. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to leave that for the audience. <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Hello, everyone. Uh, today Hello. we are going to be discussing 18 card games. The topic in general, more, I think we're going to be focusing a little bit on one major publisher who kind of hangs out in this realm of very small games, button shy games. I think a fair number of their games are very solo friendly, very well loved by many solo players. But more, we want to discuss the idea of an 18 card micro game today mm-hmm. that's right i think it is such an interesting subject do you know do you like to read julius do you read fiction yes all the time okay so in my mind the 18 card micro game is sort of the short story of fiction novella for me it's a short story i love short stories that's actually my favorite type of fiction because you, you often you jump into the middle of the story stuff has already been happening you read your story, and then it ends before there's a real conclusion. At least that's what it always feels like to me with, with a really good short story. A lot of these micro games are sort of like that. I feel like I'm jumping into the middle of something exciting. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and so so that is the perspective I'm coming at these games from. Little mini vignettes. I, be- <laughs> I believe it's not pronounced that way, but I'm never quite sure. Vign- vignettes? I believe vignettes? so, but that's okay. Vignettes? I have no idea. I believe it's vignettes, yeah. but that's okay. This is not an English class. Oh, there's other words I get terribly wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> let's let's not do an episode on that. I mean, here's one reason why I think you were mentioning why you like 18 card games. And I do sort of compare them more to a novella. For me, part of the joy of them is it's it is a lighter game. It's with many of these it's very easy to pick up put down and play there's not a whole lot that goes into it and yes like you're mentioning many other games like for instance i think of uh, underwater cities there's a gentle build-up while you build your engine you get things going you sort of slowly get your ball rolling and then once your ball's rolling it's a lot of fun to sort of see it go off with these things they don't have the time or card space to really build anything into it so things do feel much more explosive and if you're building an 18 card game i think that you have to be ready to lean into that you have to be ready to throw people in as fast as you can because you're going to need to do that just by limits for the amount of space that you've got Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it to say, a normal 60-card game or so, this game is already ending by the time you start. <laughs> you only got 18 cards left in your deck. And if you have a hand of cards to begin with, even less. <laughs> so, yeah, so it it is interesting, and that, that does make it a very interesting design challenge because of that, right? D- trying to come up with a game with only 18 cards can be pretty tricky. I think that's an important thing to comment really on because... With these 18 card games, while I think there's definitely a certain value for the consumers to have, you know, a wallet game, something tiny, you can have a lot of them if you're going places, you know, for a solo player, there's definitely a certain value of having it be small enough and and portable enough that you can bring it along with you wherever you're going. But I think that there's a real value in it for any designers who are trying to cut their teeth on learning how to design games, really practicing the craft for a new designer who hasn't ever done this before working within the, an 18 card game. It's 
A, it's very manageable. That means that it's now a limit for mechanics, components that is definitely achievable even when you're a new designer. And B, it creates a tight restriction that you're able to work inside that means that you know these ideas that sometimes can start leading you off, it helps you really start to focus on the core mm-hmm. of what you're doing. So, and like you were saying, it's a good thing to start designing on. And I think that's one of the values of why we see a whole lot of them. I know that at one point in time there was even a 18-card um, solo game contest. Yes, and I think th- I think the last one was in 2017, and I believe there's going to be another one coming up next year, early next year, like March. That's a plan. Could be. That's what I saw uh, on the BGG forum. So yeah, so that'll be something to look forward to. And th- besides those contests, Bunchai also does regular contests. Last year they were doing monthly contests, which that seems overwhelming but uh this year they've scaled back i'm assuming it's related to coronavirus and all that but every few months they have a contest so you may want to check uh bud and shy's website if you're interested in designing a game and and following along because they have contests and they'll give cash prizes and any of your games if they like your game they might even publish it and they do publish a lot of them Mm -hmm. and and they'll pick themes oh they do (laughs) like uh one of the contests they had this year was an 18 card legacy game (laughs) And which is so interesting an idea because you could destroy cards in that potentially or mark on them or whatever, but you, you only have 18 cards. So if you're going to destroy something, you, you know, you got to really want to destroy that in that case because <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot in an 18 card game, one whole card. So, yeah, so, so there it's, it's a great design idea. It's a great way to try it and get your feet wet. And I think it's interesting that, that it's a whole genre of games. You know, I've also seen nine card design contests and, 18 and i find it interesting that it's a multiple of nine well and i've got i I think i know two reasons for that okay go ahead i was about to tell you why okay well one of them is you could print it on two sheets of paper or if you're also doing bags i suppose four but you could fit nine sheets per per page so it fits pretty well Mm -hmm. i think the second reason is the multiple of 54 and when you go get cards printed most of the the big card printing companies are their machines are set up to print 54 cards. You know, what comes in the regular deck of playing cards. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it much more easy to do it that way. Those are the reasons. I don't know. I'm, oh, that's my guess. Those are the exact same reasons. What do you think? I, I think those are the exact reasons. Really? Okay. Yeah. Both of those are well, true. Okay, I think that then. it probably so, started, I think it really started because it's very easy to be a one page print. And I do think these things more started for people who are doing print and plays. But the fact that it's, mm-hmm, it yes. fits on a 54 card deck did nothing but help enhance that. Yeah, that's right. I, I agree with you there. And so, so they're neat. Um, a lot of these games will, will use the cards to their fullest. That means the front and the backs all have information and stuff that affects the game. Sometimes they're single-sided, but, but a lot of times the cards tend to be double-sided and also multi-purposed in that the, the cards will do a lot of different things just because again you know you have such a limited resource of cards there you, you got to sometimes do more with them and that again that challenge is also really neat trying to trying to get so much out of 18 cards that's pretty neat one one more thing i'll mention and maybe we could start talking about the games i guess or unless you want to say more is uh a lot of these 18 card games don't even use 18 cards to play 
for example, one of the games we'll mention a little later, you only ever play with three cards at a time. But but you have a lot of cards, which gives you more variability because you don't necessarily know which three cards you're going to use on a given game. I think that you've definitely played more of these 18-card games than I have. Um, so I don't know that I can really say you know the, that sort of broad stroke like you're saying. Um, I believe that it's definitely true for the ones that I've played, but I, I okay, I'll take your word on that. Okay. <laughs> That's been my experience. I've been on an 18-card game kick lately <laughs> just because they're, they're so small. They're so portable. And it's like, I've ordered, okay, I'm going to order something from Button Shy. Well, I, you know, I might as well just get two or three and get my free shipping in. And they're so small anyway, so why not? <laughs> How many do you own at this point? In time? And so that's uh, the seven we're going to talk about. Oh, very nice. Okay. Plus two that are not solitaire. Well, then. two that don't support solitaire. Let's go ahead and start talking about them. All right. So the first thing, though, before we get to the game details, the the button shy games are neat because they come in these little plastic wallets. They're um, in fact called wallet games for that reason. Sort. Yeah, and they're called wallet games. That's right. And they're basically the sort of thing that, like, you might see. Um, Somebody have their business cards in a little folding plastic thing with two pockets, one on each side, and uh, and all the cards just fit in there. So they're really neat, and they always have a little logo for the game on the top. The rules for all the button shy games fit on one piece of paper that's basically about the size of, I'd say, four cards. So the front and back of four cards are the the entire rules. All the games I've seen of theirs are exactly that size of a rule book. So they're also going to generally be speaking be very short rules and part of that i guess is because i mean it's only 18 cards how, how complicated can you make the rules um all right so without further ado let's just jump in the list uh the first one is sprawlopolis and these i just kind of picked at random um this is the only game on this list that actually supports more than one player this is a one to four player game and this is more of a tile lane game I also think this is probably the most famous of the games. It is the most famous, and it, it, it's definitely one of the the better games. The more a lot of these other ones tend to be lighter or more random. This one I think is the most puzzly, is the more strategy, the most strategy in the game of this list. Um, and it's super simple too. There's eighteen cards, and all the backs of the cards have victory point conditions for for end game. And then all the fronts are tiles that have four different colors, basically. And the, they represent different neighborhoods in a in a city block. Like there's, I don't even know what they are. Blue is residential or something like that. Orange is industrial. Green is something else. And, and <laughs> you know, commercial and so on. And I probably got those wrong. I'm sorry. And all you're doing is you're laying these cards on the table, trying to line up the different patterns according to the three victory conditions you, you have for this specific game. Yeah, it may say, for example, um, you get two points for every pair of yellow cards next to each other or something like that. Or, or maybe all the blue, if there's blues along the outside, you get a point for each of those blues on the outside. There's also roads on the card. And you may get points if you maybe, for example, create a, a road loop or if you have certain neighborhoods on that road, whatever. Um What's neat is because the, the victory conditions are in the back of the cards, you're going to shuffle up at the beginning and draw three of those victory conditions randomly. So each game you play is a little bit different, which it goes. Uh, I find this game hard. I have not done well at all on it. I think I've won one time so far. I haven't played too many, though. And it is it is definitely interesting. It is very quick because all you're doing is laying out 15 cards one after the other onto the tables, And once you're done, that's it. 
um, tally up your victory points and see how you did. But I think it's also highly replayable. Too. So that it is because of that. It's highly replayable because you don't know the victory conditions. And, and they're all pretty different, right? Each of the cards will tell you how many points it's worth. So th- those three victory condition cards. So it'll say, if you have this one, it's 10 points. The other one says 11, and one says 5. Well, you add up those three numbers, and that's your goal. You need that many victory points total to win. Um, And so it's you know it's going to be very different how many points you need from game to game, and then what cards are available, and what order they come out. All that affects it. There, and there's a new version coming out called Farmopolis, I think. That was on Kickstarter last month and should be out in March. So so that's something to look for. Um, so yeah, so that's Sprawlopolis. Do you have any anything else about it that you want to say? I don't. I just want to say that I think that this is a very fun um, game. The only issue that I've had with it, because I, I can't let go without mentioning it, is that for me with many of the cards, because it's so replayable... So the cards are each one of the backs of the cards is a unique and different style of endgame points. And because they're all unique, I will constantly find myself like, wait, I totally forgot which one it is that I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> and the game is <laughs> I so see that. short that you're like, I've gone the whole game and I'm playing with the victory point conditions for the game I was playing two days ago. And I forgot. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Well, if you're anything like me, it doesn't matter because you're going to lose no matter what. Well, I know. <laughs> I can't recall my points. I don't think I've. I don't think I'm doing that bad on it. Okay. But I do really like the game. I think that it's fun, even though it's it's hard. There's the graphic design for the the graphic design of the cards is is very nice. They're very pretty and vibrant. All the different colors are very clear. The graphic design on the cards for the victory points. I constantly am forgetting which one's which. This doesn't seem to be a problem that I have for something else like cartographers. I don't know why I keep doing it for Sprawlopolis, but I do. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting game. I don't know how I feel about it entirely yet. I've only played it a few times, but it's definitely very replayable. Every time it's so quick, you finish and, oh, let me try again. Let me see how I do this time. (laughs) Yep. So that, that is nice. I'm even tempted to just replay the same scenario sometimes. I haven't done it yet, but yeah. I don't do that, which may be a problem. Oh, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> so next up is Banned Books. Um, this one, you play a literary character trying to get your book unbanned. I guess it was banned by the publishers or the powers that be, something like that. God. Um, <laughs> no, not even. It's three guys in suits. Three big guys in suits. And th- so this one, you actually only use, I think, nine cards when you play. Because you have one card for your character, the three powers of B cards, and five action cards. And I think that was all that was out. There might have been another card or two. I don't recall right now. And in this one, it's it's sort of a race game. Now, I should mention here, it hadn't come up yet. Um, some of the games from Blood and Shy especially require extra components. They'll give you the cards and the little sleeve and the rules. But sometimes you have to supply tokens or dice. In this one, you're supplying counters they you know pennies or or extra cubes from some game that sort of thing whatever um this is kind of basically a race game you're the powers that be each of those three cards have a track on it and if they reach the max level of the track two of them do you lose to win your token on their tracks each have two of them each have to reach the max um so it's just to see who gets to the top first you or, or them 
Um, it's interesting because you have five actions and you can only use three of them on each turn and you got to pick which you use, but you're limited to how many action points you have. So you're trying to play the action to manipulate it so you could get those tracks going up and hopefully not get theirs going up. In, there's also some dice rolling that may, at the end of each round, that may get their tracks to go up. This one, it, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. It's interesting. I like the theme of it. The, the one time I played, I so far anyway, I could not figure out really the strategy behind it. I was, I was a little bit lost. Um, but I enjoyed the game and I enjoyed the art. I, like I say, all these games, I, I, I like the art style. Uh, Bunshai really does good graphic design. And it's not always the same artist. I think that they will get different artists that, for different games. But it's always well done, whatever it is. The ver- for me, the verdict is still out on that one. It's interesting, though. And we'll see. I-, I think the characters in it are all made up, but I'm not sure. They're literary characters. Yeah, but so what I'm saying is I don't know if they're real characters, like from real books. Oh. Or, or the designer just made them up. I think they made them up. For what I can so, I Yeah, probably. Wow. Okay, the next one up is Ragemore. Um... This one is probably the closest thing to a, to a traditional solitary card game, you know, like patience, that sort of thing. In the in terms of the way it plays, you're you're fighting monsters with your heroes. The cards are double sided. One side is the hero, one side is the monster, and you're basically trying to match symbols on the different cards to get the monsters that are available in the in the quest piles set to the side. And your go to win is to get two piles that each have. You need to defeat six enemies in two different of the, I guess we'll call them suits in this game. Once you've done that, you win. So you're doing that by using your cards which have different values to fight the monsters and, and this sort of thing. I find, Actually, I find this one interesting. I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, but I have played this one way more than any of the others. I think this is like 30 or 40 plays now. I really like the art style in oh. this one, by the way. Even though it's black and white, it really fits for the idea of what they're doing with the idea of like a, a black and white dungeon and the good and the bad going through it. It looks very tarot-y. I think it's a good art style. Yeah, I could see that. And, and the game is by Bojan Proklasik. And he also did the art himself. I am certain that you said that well. <laughs> Thank you. I hope he agrees. Um, he 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 designed the game and did the art, which I thought was pretty darn neat. the The game there, there's a lot of strategy in it. You're you're looking ahead because you see where cards are coming. And you're trying to figure out which cards to play each turn and and how to do it in the right order so that you don't get yourself killed. Um. So I find it very satisfying, and it's super quick. I think a game probably takes around five minutes, maybe as much as ten. Um, but yeah, that that's one I like a lot. Okay, uh, next up, Pentaquark. Oh, I had trouble describing Ragemore, and I know what that one's about. This one <laughs> I find so much harder. It is so. It's a game where you're trying to collect the right combination of corks in your collider, and the corks have different attributes. They have colors, and and attributes and the color could be like blue or anti-blue green or anti-green and the attributes are similar there's a bottom and anti-bottom top i think there might be top and anti-top and a couple other things like that hang on let me tell you real quick some examples uh red and anti-red green and anti-green 
Yes. Well, so yes. Yeah, so there you go. Those are colors. But then there's oh, there's up and anti up, charm and anti charm. So so exactly. So you have these. So you're trying to line them up, and when you're playing the cards at the table, you could line up a blue with an anti blue. If it's in the, I forget exactly if it's in the collider or if it's in the upper escape area, the background, and in the background, and depending on how on where you're putting them, you can line them up different ways, and you're either lining up the cards successfully or potentially eliminating cards. Which, if you eliminate them, they're now out of the game. You're gonna go through your deck quickly. Anyway, so so it's a little bit confusing to play this, but you're basically <laughs> trying to get a specific combination of cards out to win, and it's all very puzzly. On how how you get these all lined up to, to this one did not work so well for me. It is really thinky. It is interesting concept, but I think it just requires more playing. I see, part of the problem I have with this is like the win condition is very specific. It says like you got to have three different colors, an an up and an anti up, and something else, or, you know, or some combination like that. It's very specific, and I always keep forgetting. Have to constantly keep referencing the rules mm-hmm. to figure out what it is. Because this one is so abstract, like they talk about in designs, sometimes you want to make something less abstract so that the rules can be more firmly cemented in the mind. This one is completely abstract, but even though it's completely abstract, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that the puzzle that's involved in this and moving everything around and trying to get it all done, it's a very fun puzzle. The graphic design on it is bright and vibrant, even though there's not a whole lot of art really to it um so it looks fun and nice while you're doing it the puzzle is really difficult and i think the rules on this one are also pretty difficult and Mm -hmm. it's it's a hard game to play if you can get your head around it and really play you'll have like in my opinion you have to just play it over and over and over again until it just becomes second nature if you're not the sort of person who likes a ton of jargon in your stuff this is not going to be the game for you. But I think that if you do and can get past that hurdle, I think that you would enjoy it. Unfortunately for me, um, I I still have it sitting around somewhere. I'm not even sure where <laughs> because I did do that. Like I sat and I, I tried to work it. And I, I, I rather I did work it. I did play it a bunch and I did formulate, I think how to continue to do that, but it took a lot of time to do it. And then I put it down for a while and picking it up again <laughs> at this point in time, like, Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to do that today. So one of the whole draws for these 18 card games is that they're very easy to pick up and play. I don't think that applies to this one. <laughs> it may be not. Now, there's another interesting thing about this one for me. I there's expansions available, and I went ahead and ordered them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really haven't thrown them in because I'm finding the game so challenging. Um, but I like that there's a lot of the Bunchai games have expansions available. Sometimes it's a a multiplayer game that includes a an extra. You could buy a solitaire expansion for it, so it's worth checking those out. Um, but then <laughs> it bugs me. Because then it breaks the eighteen card micro game rule. You know, not that it's a real rule or, or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> it still bugs me. Um, even even if if it makes the game more playable and more interesting, right? You know, in this case, it adds more variety. Um, and from what I have seen, the ex- the expansions tend to really change the game. It isn't just more of the same. Often, it's more more different ways to play or more rules to work through. So that's a pretty interesting thing. Right. Ready for the next ones? Yeah. 
Okay, Twin Stars. This one, there's Twin Stars one and Twin Stars two. Now, I my understanding is Bud and Shy has a um, Patreon, and if you're in it, they will send you cards every once in a while, like little mini games or maybe an expansion card for something. I'm not really sure what they send out. I'm not a member of that. But Twin Stars apparently is part of their Patreon, and occasionally they'll send these out. And it's a, a game with three cards. One is the the challenge that you're doing, and then two characters. And this is another game that requires dice and, and tokens. tokens and stuff like that. Yeah, But you can't order it with the dice and tokens, though. You could order it with the dice and tokens, but then it comes in a box instead of the sleeves. Um, so this one, you're only ever playing with three cards, but there's still 18 in the pack, so it's going to bring six different challenges, each with its two characters that came that were it was designed with and originally released with. But then when you play, you can mix and match any way you want. So there's a lot of replayability, and you could try out the different characters. This one is a lot of basically die rolling. The challenges will be the challenge cards will have tracks on them, and then you basically got to get your token across from the beginning of the track to the end of the track, sort of thing. And your different characters have abilities. You roll the dice on the character and see whether whether you could move on the tracks or bad stuff happens or whatever. It's kind of neat because you're rolling the dice and and planning how you assign the dice to the different character to the two characters um but i find it a little fiddly and a little bit tedious in doing that over and over what, what makes the game interesting is once you've played the challenge you can then go and try it with other characters and see how that goes and all the characters are very different um so you're going to find you get different synergies or whatever from them so that is interesting and there's two sets out um, I assume they'll come out with another one because as far as I know, they're still making more of these occasionally, but I don't really know what I'm talking about there. So that's Twin Stars 1 and Twin Stars 2. And I'm sorry, and one more thing. The the challenges in those seem to be, it's a sci-fi game. The At least the first couple sounded very, very Star Wars-like. Like I think you're in a trash compact in one of them or something even. So So that was pretty neat. Uh, Spaceship. In my mind, I don't know if it's in reality also, but in my mind, this is the same universe as Twin Stars. This is another <laughs> sci-fi game. <laughs> this one is more of a... Um, you're you're hauling cargo from planets to planets and buying and selling goods. I thought this was actually a pretty darn neat game. And this is by far the longest playing game on the list. A, a session takes at least half an hour, if not more, maybe an hour. Your goal is to ultimately collect two specific cargoes, Xeno crystals, and have them on the cargo holds of your ship, and then you win. Um, the problem is that th- they're pretty expensive. But what's neat about this game, the cards are s- very multi-used. The, card, the cards could be the cargo you're carrying. They could be upgrades for your ship. Well, they have both of these, and they also represent the different planets you could visit, as well as events that could happen that generally are, are bad things. Well, not always, but sometimes. Um, and so the cards are both double-sided and double-facing. And you're you're moving the cards along. You have two two rows of cards. You have a few planets, a, a row of goods, and a row of upgrades. And the cards are just moving along from, from stack to stack as you visit different planets to see what's available and that sort of thing. And you have your ship. You could upgrade your ship and add more shields to it or more cargo hold and all sorts of things. And, and you're basically visiting planets buying goods, taking them to other planets, and then selling them there for a profit, hopefully, until you have made enough money 
to to get those two specific cargos that you need. I really enjoyed this one. I found this really cool. Um, it, it it's a neat implementation of of the uh, cargo delivery sort of thing. And it also appears to have multi use cards. Yeah, yeah, they they really do. It, it it's neat, and the way it was designed, it's it's pretty cool. The cards, you know, like I said, you slide them from one set to the next one, and you just basically move the the right card in the left stack over to the next side and flip it as you move it. And then from the end of that one that you just added the card to, you'd flip it and add, add it to the top row for for available goods. And then the card from the other end of the top row, you flip it and put it down to be a new destination. So it's all very fluid in the way all the cards move. I will say, Albert, that this is the one that I had not heard of before you start talking about it, and the one I'm now most interested really? in getting. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I wish it was a little faster. It, it's a bit repetitive, I think, when when it starts to get into the 30-minute time, but I still enjoyed it. still enjoyed it a lot. Okay, how are we doing? Look at that. 30 minutes, six games so far. The The last game I'm going to mention is not published by Bud and Shy. This is available via Game Crafter. This is the the most portable game on the list because I think it's pretty interesting. You play with this game in your hand, um, and you hold the 18 cards in your hand. You're going to shuffle them up and hold them in your hand, and your goal is to find the king in the forest and take him to the castle. And the way you do this is you're going to roll two dice each turn in different colors, and one color tells you if you use, and you're going to choose which dice to use. One die is to go forward in the forest, and the one's to go back in the forest. So you're going to start taking cards from the front and move them back, or from the back and move them in front. And this way, you're going to be traveling through the forest and encountering different things like assassins that are trying to kill you or the king, guards or special characters that could help or hinder you. Um, it's an interesting game. I, I, I there's things I like about it, and there's things I don't like about it. It it plays pretty quick, and I think if it wasn't for the fact that rolling dice is the sort of game you could play standing in line somewhere, uh, you know, waiting to vote kind of thing or something. You're in there for two hours, I'll play this game for a couple hours. Though that'd be kind of long for such a quick game. I like the memory aspect of it, but then sometimes you shuffle the deck, and that messes up the memory aspect. So, so you lose all that. The shifting through the deck could sometimes get a little bit tedious. This was published by Game Crafter. And the card quality, they're really smooth and, and pretty thick. And so I find that going through them, pulling them off the front and sticking them in the back or, or vice versa, is, is a little bit hard because of the card quality. Like if these were like um, playing card quality or something, I think that might be a little bit easier to do. You know, something with a little more texture on it. But yeah, this this is an interesting one. The, the art is okay. Um, it's functional. It's sort of video gamey, blocky. And yeah. That's that's King's Gambit. I really don't like the art on this, by the way. <laughs> the it's also cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> the you know, I mean the art the art is the art. The it's also the cheapest game on the list. I think this one was available for eight dollars, where all the Game Crafter games are I think twelve or thirteen. Though I don't know if uh, I'm sorry, the Bunshai games are all twelve or thirteen. Is what I meant to say. I. I know at least some button shy games you could get print and play, and I think they seem to be a lot cheaper. Banned books, for example, you could you could buy the print version with a little with a little sleeve, and that costs fourteen dollars. Or you could buy the print and play version for only one dollar. So you could also 
could also go that route and try them out and see, you know, pay a buck, see if you like it. Then you don't have to order it and deal with shipping and all that. Just got to deal with cutting it up and getting it made. <laughs> yeah, cutting it up, with, you know, it's easier. If you got the color printer, that's easier. Right? Even black and white. Yeah, maybe. For a lot of these games, that might be enough, honestly, because some of these games are so light and so small. You know, it's like, again, it's a short story in a, in a game format. It's fun to try it out, explore it, and then maybe move on. So, yeah, that is our world tour of the 18-card micro game. I will include links to all these games in the show notes and and the websites for the publishers and all that. And if I could find Geekless with more 18-card micro games, I will include those. Um, so there will be a ton of, ton of resources. You could go check them out. Anything else, Julius? Are there any others you have played? I can't think of any. Okay. Yep. So so there we go. That's the plan. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DonPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.